0: Hello and welcome to the Fast Break Podcast. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm joined by Patrick Martin and Dan Madigan. We're incredibly excited to have kicked off UConn men's basketball season. The Huskies are, as you all know, the reigning national champs. They've raised a banner. And after Monday night, they have also started the season 1-0 after rocking the Northern Arizona Lumberjacks. Great start to the season for the Huskies. Five players in double digits. Patrick, what was uh, what was your highlight from the game uh, thing that stood out to you most?
1: My highlight was Alex Caravan, future Clay Thompson imitator, as I as I am the hill I'm dying on uh, making Andy Katz look really stupid for not including him on his, his top 10 sophomores list, because it really looks like that he has taken the leap and he's going to be the guy and Led the team in scoring, led the team in plus minus, uh, rebounded well, got a little bit of small ball five, which I can't wait to dive into with you guys. And yeah, he he looked the part of like, there's a leadership void, I'm going to take it. He's calling people into the huddles, he's barking orders around, he may not have like the fiery disposition that like Hurley has, or maybe Cam Spencer might have, but he seems to be kind of like the quiet leader that we've been seeking. That's going to be like the vacuum left by Andre Jackson.
0: I loved Caravan. I loved seeing how he scored in so many different ways. And yeah, I mean, he already hit a career high. I am willing to bet, I think I wrote it somewhere that he will probably surpass that career high at some point this season. Madigan, what was your, what was your high from the game thing that stood out to you most?
2: I I do want to cheat for a second and just say, you know, seeing them raise a the fifth banner for, you know, five banners since 1999. Um, it does not get old. It's still an incredible thing to see. I know Hurley and the team kind of downplayed like the ceremony and everything. Uh, but it seems like the players didn't know that they were getting videos from Joey Calcaterra and Sonogo and, and Hawkins and Jackson. And um, a lot of them were were pretty like, I don't want to say moved, but they were like really, really excited uh to see those guys and to get that shout out. So I think it meant a lot more than uh, they may have initially thought it would going into it, which is always cool. But um I thought the team looked really solid top to bottom. I was kind of impressed with Diara, honestly. Like he only played 31 minutes in the entire NCA tournament. Um after playing like a decent amount at times uh for the whole, for that whole championship season, he very easily could have left and and probably played somewhere else. Uh but he came back. He played 21 minutes in the win over in Northern Arizona. He looked comfortable, looked experienced. He's still playing, you know, really good perimeter defense. He might be the best perimeter defender that UConn has this year with Andre Jackson gone. So that could mean that he's going to get a little bit more burn uh, night in, night out. And uh, he scored a little bit too. He had six points. He had some nice floaters. Uh, didn't really turn the ball over, had two assists. And um, he kind of is filling that like backup point guard goal role that the team is definitely going to need. Um, because as good as Stefan Castle is, as good as Tristan Newton is, um, there's definitely gonna be times where they're both gonna have to be on the bench. Um, Castle got into foul trouble early. Diara came in, earned that second half start, and uh, held the fort down. So I think it's really good to see him kind of continue to develop. And um, he's definitely not, he's probably not gonna be the most important player on this team, but uh, I think the bench is the biggest question mark with so much young talent. So it was cool to see Diara kind of step up and uh, become a really serviceable role player.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Diara becoming solid is uh, maybe he can be the next Naheem Aline type of guy off the bench or something like that. And yeah, his defense really is a plus and something unique compared to some of the other folks on the roster, like you mentioned. I think, um, yeah. And then just to talk about some of the other things that stand out, of course, we saw two guys make their Husky debut. Well, we saw six guys making their Husky debuts, but uh, two new starters making their Husky debut uh, in Cam Spencer and Stefan Castle. Um, and we'll start with Castle. I mean, he's he's a freshman. He comes in. He's holding on to the starting point, jo- point guard job from, from the beginning, it looks like, which is pretty impressive. But I think he certainly demonstrated why. He took the first shot of the game for UConn. And when he's the first guy bringing it across the court like that, and you've got Tristan Newton, uh, you know, that's... That's a really, really formidable duo. I, I like that a lot. Um and uh, you know, I think just in terms of the the skills that Castle flashed, they are they are immense. So I'm really excited about Castle. What'd you guys think about our first look at Hurley's first five-star recruit? I
1: think I think all of the freshmen, including Castle, were so Jacked up in the beginning, whether that be the the opening ceremony, the the sellout crowd, that it took them a little while to get into the game. I think they were definitely pressing a little over eager, and just essentially feeling themselves out. I mean, it's their first ever collegiate game. I know it's Northern Arizona, but like it's still a step up from the high school level as far as physicality and athleticism, and in that sense with the game in decide decided in the second half, it was really like that spin move that castle had with, you know, the patient dribbles on the block, you know, that, if he's developing that right now, I can't wait to see what that looks like in, in three or four months because I mean, it's, that's such an advanced move. He has such a smooth handle for a six, six dude. So then like you said, when you factor in Newton in there, Cam Spencer is not a liability with the ball in his hands. Um, Think of how how dangerous those dribble handoffs are going to be when they're just kind of weaving up top, when you have the anchor of in and then Caravan spacing. I mean, the, the offense fits together so nicely because Castle is so advanced. And to dig into the other other guys, I'm not really worried. I mean, Solo Ball looked a little they, they looked erratic, but then still showed glimpses. Solo Ball had a nice finish. Jalen Stewart had like a very Seattle-esque like five points in like two very nice finishes. um, The back, um, Jaden Ross's backdoor pass that he found, which was, you know, you can, if you watch the highlights of that, you can see Castle on the other end of the screen yelling, saying like, bring it back out, bring it back out. And for, to have a freshman in his first game, like take the dribble in the paint, not like immediately like kick it out and get, get rid of it. But to take a second, Look around. Oh, I'm open. Caravan makes the smart cut. Boom. Like that's, that shows you what this, this bench group can give you once they get their added experience.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was just really blown away by Castle. Like he doesn't look like a freshman, just the the physicality and how filled out he is. I I, I think, I can't think of the last time where UConn's had a big guard like that, that could really step in and just be like a physical presence Um, from day one like like you said Patrick that spin move when he's backing down uh, the NAU defender in you know garbage time still but that's like an ISO NBA type move that is not stuff that Shabazz Napier or Kemba Walker or any of the great UConn point guards that have ever come through here was ever able to do as a freshman and probably not even in their you know upperclassmen peak of their powers days like it was just a different skill set I think
1: Um, we like wanted Daniel Hamilton to do that and it just never materialized
2: Right. And like he has the um, he had some turnovers early, but it was almost because he was like too comfortable. Like he was trying to squeeze things into tight windows. And um, it's not him like doing stupid freshman things. It's him like feeling comfortable and like trying to get a little cute when you're up thirty five or, you know, thirty eight or whatever. So I'm not going to fault him for that. And I definitely like he's not regarded as the best three point shooter. I think he's going to get a lot of open three point looks with so many weapons with Spencer Caravan. Uh, on the floor they're going to have to sag off castle a little bit um seems like he can hit open threes and I think that's really all he's going to be asked to do from the perimeter um from the other freshman I was really impressed with with Jalen Stewart he looked a lot bigger than I thought he would he was super long I thought he could really guard like two through four uh and maybe even some small fives um and he had that great finish and transition like you said had a knack for kind of hunting the ball down off the glass and I was just really, really impressed by him. I thought all the freshmen looked pretty solid. We didn't see a lot of Singare, but um, I thought all the freshmen looked looked pretty good. But Stewart was the one that honestly stuck out to me the most.
0: I like Stewart and the talent that he flashed as well. And Solo Ball, I think, is another guy who can fit into that kind of like defensive energy guy. Like like what you said about Diara, um, but he's, he's, I think, a little bit more of the... Um, He's he's supposed to be a good shooter as well. So I think we'll see about that. But uh, at the very least, uh, that energy defense kind of guy. And you can see how he would be, uh, you know, with his athleticism and length, really uh, sturdy and good in that role. Of course, we also have to talk about Samson Johnson, uh, really an incredible breakout performance for him. He uh, is not starting uh, after being the game one starter last year, losing the starting job. He's now in this key role, though, backing up Donovan Klingin, even potentially maybe getting a few more minutes than expected with Donovan Klingin dealing with a foot injury. I think what we saw from him was incredible beyond just, you know, what's on the stat sheet, which is great, which is 11 points, five of six from the field. I believe it's all five of those were dunks. Uh, so we love that. Uh, we love an efficient uh, performance like that. And um, yeah, he did. He wasn't forcing anything. He was doing it within the flow of stuff, but they were able to feed him down there. The alley oop from Spencer to him uh, was an incredible early, you know, energy play that I think everyone uh, loved and needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, Samson Johnson, that's that's a very exciting prospect. If UConn has someone like that <laughs> coming up as a big off the bench, they've got the same the same advantages last year. Uh, and that depth, you know, really, really showing itself and and playing out well for that for the Huskies.
1: I think the most important stat, if you look at the box score, the 15 minutes that Donovan Klingon played, like how awesome is that? That you know that you can trot out Samson Johnson for 18 minutes there, and he can give you that reliable rim running threat. You do not need Donovan Klingon. You do not for any of these sub 300 RPI teams, he's out there to shake off the rust and get ready for the conference, get ready for the the non-conference tilts. And the fact that Samson Johnson was able to provide exactly what Donovan Klingon provided last year is a incredible sign step forward. And look, is he going to foul a lot? He seems like kind of like an, over eager sometimes his positioning isn't great he had two fouls in the first 30 seconds but after that he really settled into the game and this is a dude who has not played he's played what a total of 15 games his first two years some some very very small number and very impressed with his he he. he, you know he came in as like a raw basketball IQ kind of guy. And you can see Luke Murray has schooled him on like how to set the screen, how to, you know, how to pin when you're rolling, where to catch the ball, um, you know, all of those things he's been drilled up on. And you can tell he's not thinking out there on offense, which is you don't want what you don't want, you know, your rim running center to be doing. So once he gets used to the defensive schemes and the rotations, he's just going to be able to play out there. And there's no one you want, like, just playing there more than Samson Johnson because he's just an absolute fucking stud.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when Johnson was a freshman, I, I think I've said this in like our Slack or whatever, but uh, that first game that he played against CCSU, I don't know if I've ever seen someone at UConn look more lost on the basketball court, like just completely overmatched, overwhelmed by what CCSU was doing on both ends, like just completely just not up to division one speed yet. And uh, for having only played like 115 college basketball minutes, that's like completely gone now. he, more than held his own, obviously, you know, yes, they're playing Northern Arizona, like a, a top or bottom 200 or whatever, Ken Palm team, but um, the basketball IQ is there now. And the elite athleticism that made him such an intriguing recruit prospect is also there on top of like, what looks like 30 plus pounds of pure muscle. Like he just seems to have improved his athleticism even more, which I didn't even think was possible they basically just ran the old Donovan cleaning clinging playbook for him uh, in the first like five, 10 minutes of that NAU game. Like same thing. There was like the dribble handoff or the screen, like right above the free throw line cut to the middle of the hoop lob slam like for him to be able to just step in and do that. Given the last time we saw him uh, in extended minutes, he looked pretty lost. I thought it was really impressive. And um, he's always shown flashes of just being a natural shot blocker. So like you said, Patrick, if he can stay out of foul trouble, He's going to be a tremendous asset. Um, I was under the impression, and when he played as a underclassman, I thought of him as more of like a stretch four, like floor stretcher type of shooter. Um, didn't look like the case when he took a three pointer uh, <laughs> in the NAU game. I think he was just kind of stuck between like whether he should shoot it or pass it. It d- it didn't look comfortable at all. It looked like
1: it looked like he was like told not to shoot anymore in the off season. It's like well, I'm open i kind of have to shoot this yeah. like
2: I, that I think was he, weird
0: i think he like all people like we all like to bill ourselves as, as a stretch four, you know or, or a stretch five and <laughs> yeah. uh i think i think we all like to think of ourselves as a little bit more having more shooting range than we believe um but anyway i i think um i think he is known to have a little bit more shooting ability and actually i was going to say it, it is kind of a different situation from last year with Klingon. Uh, for a couple of reasons, he's got a different skill set as Klingon. Obviously, I think he's a little bit, a uh, little bit more of a runner. He's got stamina. I mean, he played the 19 minutes in this in this game. That's not something Klingon as a freshman last year would have done. And I think with those differences in skill set, Hurley has also said this: uh, there's a possibility we're going to see Klingon uh, and Johnson on the court together, which is something we did not see with kind of the the two bigs that we had last year. Um, I think we're going to see some of that this year. I think um, I think it's something that could be interesting against whatever teams there are that are out out there that are bigger or that have a big man that's a threat, like maybe uh, the Calip Brenner uh, types of teams, or I'm forgetting the guy at Providence, the the good Providence forward. You know, maybe that situation. Maybe price Hopkins. Guys, Bryce Hopkins. Maybe you throw the two two guys down there, make it tough for them. Um, but anyway, I think it's it's just really enticing what what Johnson brings to the table. Very exciting. It's, it's similar as the Klingon situation from last year, but I think also different because of what he uniquely brings to the table.
1: Madigan made a good point how they were essentially running the same sets that they ran for Klingon last year. The good news about both of that rim running from Klingon and Samson Johnson is that those skill sets translate to the higher level. You know, first, you you can throw the ball up to a 7-3 guy and he's going to dunk it whether you're playing Alabama or Northern Alabama. And the same thing goes for Samson Johnson. If the screen is solid and the ball handler puts it up in the right spot, it doesn't matter who you're playing unless it's another 7-3 person. So unless you're playing Purdue, that option, that verticality is always going to be there. So, you know, I think last year a lot of us – was watching Donovan Klingon do absurdly stupid things to like really short teams. And our worry was all right, well when he's banging around in the big East, it's going to be a different story. And we saw how wrong that was. And the hope is, and I I think there is some, some merit to this, that Samson Johnson can have that same type of impact. A couple of poster dunks, a couple of blocks, energy on both ends, 10, 15 minutes here and there, maybe 20 minutes. If Klingon's in foul trouble, and that's what you get from him. I do not, though. You saw me shaking your head as you're bringing up them sharing the same. I do not want to see them share the same court because neither of them are credible shooters. So it doesn't matter if they hit three threes. The, there's the a defense is still gonna sag off either of them if one of them's forced to come out of the paint, and you can't put both of them in the paint because it's gonna be way too crowded. Um, I think that's would it would give me the heebie-jeebies if if I saw the two of them out there together. I'm going to go ahead and ax that right away.
0: Klingen's I a think, too now.
2: Yeah, Klingon can stretch the floor. I <laughs> think if Klingen was at the high post and Johnson was running like that Andre Andre Jackson type role, like almost as a dunker, and you had him sh- surrounded with like Cam Spencer, Caravan.
1: Like um, off the maybe, baseline, like maybe? Tristan Noon.
2: Yeah, I think something like that would maybe work. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Caravan's uh, improvement as a defender kind of negates the need to really do that because like he's shown that he's good enough to defend like the Bryce Hopkins, the Art Columas, like those types of players, those like super athletic bouncy stretch fours. But um, I just wanted to go back to one thing on Johnson. Like, I think, you know, Hurley has pretty much always said through Johnson's time here, like, um, and even before he said he was considering transferring and they kind of talked him to to staying, but Hurley's always kind of believed in him and said that he was like a wall potential guy, like a potential lottery pick guy. And I think, winning a national championship kind of changes the perspective and kind of validates that a little bit more. Like he came in, think about the people that he came in with in his freshman class and think about how many of those people are still here at UConn. Um, not to, to name names, but like, I think it sounded a little crazy at the time, but we can see, you know, with the development, with the coaching that him Kamani Luke Murray have put in um, and the, the work that Samson has put in, uh, in the weight room to improve. Like it's not out of the question now that like you said, he has the tools to be like a late bloomer, like cracking NBA rotation at some point down the road, like those type of, um, you know, size and athletic tools, like you can't grow those anywhere. So he has a skill set. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. It could, it could literally be something just like that. Um, And that would not be the craziest thing in the world now. Whereas two years ago I would have thought Hurley was a crazy person.
1: Yeah. That's a good point that like, you can see, like, I get it. Like you, you know, you see the tools there as opposed to, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to mention the people, but um, yeah, no, i mean, Yeah. I agree.
0: I think the other interesting thing is that, uh, you know, talking a little bit about some of the potential lineup combinations is we, we touched on it a bit earlier. This Caravan small ball lineup is something I, I am enticed by as well because of UConn's, just like overflowing and immense guard and wing talent. Uh, And then the fact that Caravan is just such a strong and dependable player. Uh, The fact that he does stretch the floor, uh, obviously. And uh, I think UConn plays a lot of these like guard heavy type teams uh, in the big East. Uh, That's very interesting to me. I think it's something that maximizes UConn's skills and it also kind of maximizes uh like matchup advantages that that Yukon will have especially again with with the taller guards and uh just with guys 1 through 5 who can rebound uh even if they're not uh, big power forwards or centers uh what do you guys think about the caravan small ball lineup and its its potential for success for UConn?
1: I absolutely love it it's i i can't believe and, and shame on us for for potting you know, the whole off season and never once bringing this up as a possibility. Uh, maybe we weren't expecting Caravan to take that much of a leap. Um, but and I need Madigan's help for this about like who they put around it. But it, like you said, it maximizes UConn's strengths this year possibly. And when you add in the switchability of everyone, one through five, like that is modern basketball these days, everybody can shoot, everybody can switch. And, yeah. No, but, and so I, what I try to figure out is who do they put around him? And off the top of my head, I think maybe like you need Castle, Newton, maybe like a Jaden Ross or Jalen Stewart and then Caravan. Or do you do Diara as well? I, I, I need someone to jump in here and kind of round that five out for me.
2: I think Diara has to be in there for now, but I think Jalen Stewart like maybe two and a half months from now is like the ideal small ball for, um, to, to like complement caravan because he's athletic enough where I think he can kind of take on the the five or guard the one, like on a switch or anything like that. But, um, I think it's probably DR for now, like on top of who you said, but maybe later on, uh, there's like a Ross or a Stewart or solo ball. Hurley's been huge on uh solo ball defense that he brings, um, taking over. So, there, there's options. It's it's a really fun scenario that I didn't even really notice either. I'm, I was watching the game, and then all of a sudden I looked and didn't see Klingon, didn't see Samson, and I was like, oh, Careman's at the five. That's that's really fun. And, like, NAU doesn't really have any size, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to roll this lineup out for, for stretches. Like Hurley said it was due to foul trouble, but I think they may have kind of, like, stumbled into something that they might actually end up using uh, a little bit against certain teams if the matchup's right. And UConn's backcourt of Newton and Castle, they are both
1: plus rebounders. Like they're both going to average potentially five rebounds a game. And that's what you need when you have a small ball is you need gang rebounding. Like I think back to those 2014 teams when like the first person in the air off the glass was like Shabazz and Bo getting those rebounds. It was just like absurd how they were cra- cla- crashing the glass with such athleticism. Uh, now it's a different situation. It's more of a size-based thing with with our current guards um, yeah, no, I love that. Maybe like you put those two with Cam Spencer and then uh, Jaden Ross, if he, you know, shows a nose for the ball, uh, we haven't really talked a, a lot of crab cake or Cami crab cakes here. Let's, uh, w- w- what are our thoughts there? Because it was, a. Uh, he didn't need to do much, but I mean, where, where, where do we fall here?
0: I will say that, uh, you know, just based off of what we saw offensively. Uh, He's he's clearly a smart player. Uh, Hurley had appreciation. He led the team with five assists. Hurley mentioned he had appreciation for his passing, the way he moved the offense forward. Um, He's he's probably not uh, the strongest defender on the team or at the perimeter. Um, And I would just add that Caraban mentioned, you know, he's the kind of guy who could hit, you know, eight or nine threes in a game and, and really be UConn's leading scorer at some point in a different game. He just did not do that this time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think so, solid start for him, uh, but you know, we it took us this long to get to him, but uh, I think the, you know, the competitive nature and, uh, just being an experienced player, uh, being a smart, smart, reliable player, that's what he brings to the table. And that's what he, he brought and did for UConn.
2: Yeah. I think I didn't realize that he loved the team and assist until I took a look at the box score, but the two things that really stood out to me were how well he just fit in that offense. Like it looks like he's been there, you know, with these guys for, for two or three years now, like he really was just like a seamless fit. And the fact that, you know, he only took four or five shots, had eight points and, you know, had five assists. He was willing to pass the ball as a grad transfer who, you know, probably got some sort of, you know, NIL money to, to, to come here. Like he was a hot shot portal product for him to kind of, not jack up threes and just kind of go with the flow on the offense I think is really cool and I think that's kind of a sign that this might work like he might be able to slot into like a more limited but still effective Jordan Hawkins type role um defensively I I did not think he was great but um everyone you know the team the players coaches have said that he's a good defender or at least you know a serviceable one and um he is definitely not used to playing with Donovan Klingin, right? He probably had like a handful of practices with him. That completely changes how you approach defense. And, you know, there, I heard something about like, you know, James Harden, uh, you know, there's not a system like I am the system. Donovan Klingin is the defensive system. Like this is classic UConn defense. Like we're funneling, we're, we're UConn's crashing hard, letting guys blow by and trying to get through, uh, get a shot over Klingin in traffic and, you know, usually it's not working. But um, I'm going to chalk it up to that because I think he's a really smart player. He reminds me a lot of Caravan in a lot of ways, just a little smaller and a little quicker. Um, but I think he's going to be a great fit in this offense. And Caravan's exactly right. He, You can just tell that release is so quick and so pure. He's going to have a few like 20, 25 point games with six, seven threes uh, this year. He's He can really be like a microwave scorer for this team. I think
1: you can make the argument that he was told to to be more of a, ga- a riverboat gambler on defense. You saw a couple of those mat- matador swipes, of like you know like hey go go take risks go for steals because you've got the the goli you know the goliath there protecting the paint. Um, but yeah, well you know we'll we'll see where his defense goes, um, and I think like you know his competitive nature. Um, will fit in well. And then I also think that like having a, that third ball handler is so important. One turnover, you know, Tristan Newton and, you know, Stefan castle is going to have freshman mistakes. Tristan Newton is a little loosey goosey with the ball. As we saw, you know, sometimes last year to have that third steadying presence of like, he's never, it may not be the go-to bucket that you need, but it's going to be calm. You know, get, get everybody in the right spot, find a shot for somebody that you need. Um, you know, the offense, you know, the first look breaks down. Okay. He gets it, brings it out, run another screen and roll and kind of create something off of that is so important to have because that's like, you know, yes, he provides Jordan Hawkins his shooting, but that's what made Andre Jackson so important is that he could initiate something anywhere on the court. And I think that's a kind of like an underrated skill set that Cam Spencer has.
2: I I think the thing with Spencer, too, is like I was just looking when you were saying that, like he's 90 90 percent free throw shooter last year. Like if he can even play serviceable defense, that's going to be such a factor, closing out lineups, uh, uh, closing out games like he'll be in that final lineup um, just because having him and Newton in the backcourt is going to be, you know, that'll be a huge, huge thing to close out games. And I think the biggest thing for this year, for this team with defense to keep in mind is that it's probably not going to be like last year. Like it, it seems like this UConn team is going to be probably a little heavier on the offensive end, like maybe a little similar or stronger and probably a little weaker on the defensive end. There's just, it's just really hard to replace quality defenders like Sinogo and, and Andre Jackson, who like maybe the best perimeter defender that's been here like in the 2000s. So um, it's just really hard to replace that. And I think the bar will be a little lower. And I think, you know, UConn fans, everyone else were, were kind of spoiled with how incredible the defense was at times because it really was just like stifling. Um, and it might not be like that, but the hopes are that it will be good enough um, to to stay in. And, you know, the offense can continue to carry the team kind of like it did uh, it stretches during the NCAA tournament. I mean, the defense was always good, but the offense was just really lights out for the entire run. So I think that's just something to keep in mind um, as we get further along into the
1: season. You won't have like a statistically bad defense as long as Klingon is is back there. Yeah. Um. It will be you know exposed at times in like non-analytical ways if the, you know the the guards are al- allowing a lot of blow buys and you know some team's going to get hot because that's you know mid-range jumpers you know a lot of space given from that because you, the guards are you know told to like hey you've got a rim protector there get up in them. And because of that, that's going to result in a couple of games where they're going to get blown by. And also don't discount the fact that like, you know, last year they can bring in Naheem Aline and Hassan Diarra to guard in the backcourt. Um, and this year, you're you're hoping on Solomon Ball and, and Diarra to kind of take that leap. Uh, you know, Solomon Ball is not yet there on the Aline level of defense. I mean, think if you can, you know, you can defend when Rick Bettino is going after you in the portal. So I think his lockup, you know, defense, especially he, I remember he started checking people full court. Uh, he had a couple of great like defensive possessions in, in the tournament, a lean. So I think we're going to miss that. But again, we're talking champagne problems here because you still have Kling in the back.
0: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, defensively will, there's a lot that can absorb, you know, if one, if one guy on the perimeter is not, not the greatest uh, for Spencer, I think. The small ball lineup is something that really potentially allows him and his skill set to breathe. If we're talking about what is that game where he breaks out, maybe it's one of those where there's four guards out there. Um, some of the other guys to put in the small ball lineup, like you said, Madigan, Diara, um, and I would add ball. Um, but then again, you know, b- back to Spencer. He, yeah, he took only three shots the entire game. They were all threes. He was two of three. So uh, you know, solid, efficient outing from the floor and I think in this case, just the matchup dictated that UConn go down low as much as possible and mission accomplished. They had 50 points in the paint, Klingon and Johnson had good days. They dominated the rebounding and that was the recipe for the win here. So I think, uh, and I think that's a recipe for the win that UConn is going to be going for in a lot of situations uh, to take advantage of the seven foot two individual that they have uh, as a matchup advantage over everyone. So Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think there's just going to be games where the matchup dictates that UConn go go down low a lot or just that, you know, the shooters won't shoot as much. Uh, But in some other games, we'll we're probably going to see a lot more shooting. And that's what's great about UConn also is just, you know, that that depth that we saw last year, uh, that ability to be multiple, as lots of football offensive coordinators like to say they really do have that. Um, I think at least in terms of Uh, their attack and the different lineups that they that they can bring which which isn't really incredible we are going to move on now to huskies in the nba we've had a little bit of action to the nba season and one quick update which is that in october our dear friend joey calcaterra lived up to his name and signed a his nickname and signed a g-league contract with the south bay lakers so joey california is back in california he's in the los angeles lakers organization on their g-league team so that's really exciting we uh got a got a glimpse of joey uh in the video uh at the banner ceremony which which i thought was nice to see um the real highlight, though, for the Huskies in the NBA was Jordan Hawkins. He dropped 31 points Monday night. Same night, the Huskies raised the banner. Inspired performance from him, perhaps. Uh, that's awesome. There's only two There's only two rookies in the NBA to score over 30 points in a game. Weminyama and Jordan Hawkins. That's pretty awesome. Uh, what do we think about uh, the Hawk dropping 31 for the Pels?
1: been following his you know the the pelican social media presence they freaking love him there i and i don't know if it's the swing cash influence which we'll get into here in a second but all the you know the that his teammates are gushing about how he has like the greenest of green lights um he's he's not getting down on himself you know he had a couple of off shooting nights and his everything has you know, progressed in what the first two weeks of the NBA season to the point that he's already getting starters minutes when just one person goes down. They're running plays for him. Um, he's doing the same types of things that we saw in the NCAA tournament with like the step backs, the pump fakes in the, in the one dribble pull-ups. That is some next level shit that Grady Dick wasn't doing, by the way, Toronto. Can we just... No, that you know, Grady Dick is the best shooter in, in college basketball. I think Jay Billis said, come on, we're seeing it very clearly that, you know, Jordan Hawkins was the best shooter in, in the draft.
2: He basically just kind of kept the heater that he had in the NCAA tournament and just kind of rolled that into his first uh you know, NBA season as a rookie. And he's just been tearing it up. It's really cool to see. I know, um, in the video when he was speaking to the team at Gamble, he was like, Oh, I couldn't be there tonight. I had to go take care of some business. And then he goes out and he drops 31 points. And that's just like Amazing. unbelievable swag, like just the coolest thing ever. And then um I think yesterday the Pelicans posted a video of swing cash, Yukon legend, uh calling Hawkins over after practice, uh making the whole team watch like a Hawkins like it was like a probably two, three minute long highlight tape which is unbelievable. Oh, it
1: was so great. Like I, you know, watching Zion Williamson, Williamson look, look and see what a national championship looks like. Oh God. I mean, all those guys. It was, oh, it was so good.
2: And it's just so cool to see them with their ring, you know, with Swin, with, with uh, Hawkins holding up his, his rings there. And um, kind of a really cool, like full circle moment. And I know New Orleans has had all sorts of weird things happen as like an NBA organization, but I do really feel like at least, Jordan is in good hands as long as Swin is there. And I feel like that's good for everyone's like development going forward. So very cool to see.
0: Yeah, for said- listeners who maybe don't know, Swin Cash is a, is a front office executive for the New Orleans Pelicans. That, that was basically it. The only other one was Andre Drummond crossing the 10K mark for career rebounds, which is quite impressive. Good for you. Keep getting those bags, Andre Drummond.
1: I found the Hawkins stat. Yes,
0: yes, Patrick.
1: It is uh, his 23s made in his first seven games is ties the rookie record.
0: Ties the rookie record for 3s made in the first seven games. All right, that's, that's pretty good. You know what he's doing? He's living up to the comp, the crazy irresponsible NBA comp that I made this this summer which was taller Steph Curry. He's he's really doing it. He's he's he, I think he's well on his way. Uh so maybe I have a future as a, as an NBA scout or analyst, uh, hit me up, uh, folks, if, if not, but, uh, yeah, it's awesome that Swin Cash is an executive there. It's awesome that she was able to do that. And it it was really good to, you know, see those guys on the video screen, uh, for the championship, uh, for, sorry, for the banner raising anything else on UConn guys in the NBA, I guess we should talk about James Booknight. Speaking of, um, Charlotte, has said they will not pick up his uh, option. Is that, is that what they call it, the option? Um, they will not pick up the option. And so he's going to probably hit free agency, and we will see about his future in the National Basketball Association after that.
1: I think the best you can hope for is some team to take a flyer on him and – Get him mean? the get him the supervision the you know a, a role model a mentor, um, and kind of it sucks to say this for someone who was in the lottery, uh, what two three years ago but like you do have to build start from the ground up with him, um and yeah it's it's it stinks because you know we saw how talented that dude was and we thought he was only really scratching the surface in those two years, um. I I don't want to make any kind of comments of like, oh, he should have stayed or or anything like that. You know, that's way out of our our pay grade there. Um, But yeah, you just hope he turns it around because that dude had just a a limitless potential.
0: Yup, shout out Adama Sonogo, hanging on. Shout out UConn Women's Basketball for their win over Dayton. That is going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening.